Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap, coming to you after the New England Revolution blew a 70th-minute lead through Carles Hill, conceding an 80th-minute equalizer off a corner kick that forced them to settle for a 1-1 home draw with New York City FC. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today by Tanner Rebello. Tanner, how's it going? I'm doing great, Sean. It's a sunny Sunday here in New England. How are you? I'm good. We got uh, some good weather after a rainy day for the Revs game last night, and a good crowd of uh, 18,000 plus announced. Uh, so that was good to see. Uh, the Revs' performance maybe not quite as good as you would have liked to have watched. Um, and before we get into our takeaways, I, I did want to quickly talk about the goal that wasn't. Um, there was that Barrero shot or cross, whatever you want to call it, that was deflected by a New York City FC defender in the 61st minute. It looked like it was going to be an own goal, I think, uh, but it was ruled out by VAR because Bo was in an offside position and ruled to be in the goalkeeper's line of sight and interfering. Um, a couple questions about that. Ava J wanted to know if, if, if it was counted. Was, was it actually going to be an own goal and, and what the heck happened with it? What was the call? Uh, and Josh Callahan on Discord also wanted to know should Barrera's goal have counted as an NYC FC own goal. So what what happened there? What did you think? of the call uh did the revs get screwed or was it the, the right call it would have been ruled an own goal um you know the i'm not going to call it a shot from barrera it's more like a cross it deflected off the defender's head and went to the back of the net so it would have been ruled an own goal um you know by the letter of the law in terms of where gustavo bow was yeah it's it's offsides um it, it's a tough call i don't like the rule i don't think bow really interfered at all um he didn't leap his feet. He didn't try to make a play on the ball because I think he understood where he was on the field. That being said, like, does he block the sight of the goalkeeper potentially, right? Like, so by the rule of the law, he was offsides. Um, uh, you know, I think it's fair to be a little frustrated with it, but then again, it's the it's the rule. So I, I don't think the Revs have a leg to stand on in terms of being that bad about it. Yeah, I, I agree. It's frustrating. It's a tough, tough call. Um, I understand why people are, are upset about it. But I think I think by the letter of the law, you know, it is the right call. Um, whether or not we agree with that rule is another thing. Um, at the same time, I don't know why Gustavo Bo is offsides in that situation. Because, uh, you know, it was a dangerous attack for the Revs. Burrow was out wide, had a chance to put a, a cross in. Um, I, you know, he was aiming for the far post. It wasn't going to Gustavo Bo. Um, but you know, there were a couple plays that in the game, there was another opportunity where the Revs had to attack that a bow offside killed. Uh, and then this one, you know, we, we talk about bow a lot. He's always offsides. Uh, do you understand why he was even offsides in that situation? Is that a little bit frustrating too? Yeah. He seemed like he was out of the play, which is a little bit weird, right? Wouldn't you try to force yourself back on side to actually be available for Barrero as an option? Um, so it was a little bit weird, but Gustavo likes to be offsides for some reason. Um, kind of bizarre actually. <laughs> But the, the funny thing to me is he kind of skirts the offside line. It's been kind of how he's played in his career, which I, I get if you're a guy that can you know get the ball and, and outpace defenders. But you know we saw in this game too where he had the chance where he did kind of beat the offside trap, got behind the defense, and he he's not he's not a guy that is able to outpace defenders anymore. And in that situation too, like it doesn't even matter. You're so close to goal, it doesn't make a difference. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't understand why he is offsides as often as he is especially given he doesn't really have the pace to, if he does break an offside trap, to, to, to outpace the defenders and get in on goal, right? Not, not at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think, you know, Bruce Arena had some comments after the game, and then the team publicized that. So hopefully Bruce doesn't get fined too much for those comments. But I don't know if I'd be as mad about the rule, if not matter at Gustavo for putting the team in that situation. Uh, really, like, unnecessarily needed to be offside there. It's, it's a little bit weird to me. Like, I'd put it more on him than I would on the rule, honestly. Well, it's, it's a lack of awareness too, because I mean, let's yeah. let's say that the, it is a cross, and um, the, the ball gets to the far post, and there's a header put on frame, and the rebound could potentially fall right to bow, and that you know could could have ruined the play that way too, right? It's it's you know it's a it's a un, I don't know it's 
especially at this point in his career and given his, his kind of lack of pace, it's it's weird to me that he's offside as much as he is. But <laughs> anyways, uh, with, with that, I think there's a lot we can take away from this match. So let's, let's jump into our key takeaways, which are brought to you by our friends at the Rebellion Supporters Group. Uh, be sure to check them out on Twitter at Any Rebellion and their website, anyrebellion.org. Tanner, what was your key takeaway from this one? For the second straight week, it has to be the fact that Josie Altidore and Bobby Wood are above Giacomo Veroni on the depth chart. Um, you know, same thing as last week. You got a situation where they were going to go to the bench. They were going to bring on a striker. And instead of it being Giacomo Veroni, who was on the bench, they brought on Altidore in the 73rd minute for Bobby Wood. So that clearly tells me that, all right, for the second straight week, Bobby Wood is your top striker. It's Josie Altidore in back of him. And then it's Veroni in back of Altidore. And Veroni didn't even see the field in this match. I believe he played two minutes the prior match. It's just kind of concerning. It continues to build here, this storyline. And, you know, Sam Minton of the Blazing Musket did ask Bruce Arena after the game about if he should, if we should look into this, look into the fact that Altidore is playing above Veroni. Uh, Bruce told Sam to get it out of his head. But honestly, Bruce, I can't get it out of my head. It is building up every week. Thinking about this, thinking about when will Veroni break free. I know it's been said a lot. And a lot of people are saying, well, you know, he's going to score a goal. And once he gets that one goal, he's going to go on a run. Which, you know, for strikers, usually that's the case. We all know with Gustavo Bo, once he scores one, it comes in bunches with Adam Buxa. Same thing when he's with here in New England. We have to remember that for Buxa, it wasn't always smooth sailing. There was a huge percentage of the fan base and some of us in the media that were ruling him off rather early in his tenure. And then he was coming off the bench for them and he was finding ways to score. And then he ended up being the success that he was and they were able to sell him. So I'm not ruling Veroni out, but if you look at the last five matches, he's averaging 15.2 minutes per game. In the last two matches, he's played two minutes. Um, so I don't know how you're going to expect him to even break free if you can't see the field. Uh, and the fact that Altidore played above him and is playing above him right now is interesting. Obviously, Altidore has a significant salary implication. Altidore is a former DP himself, um, you know, has the tenure, knows Bruce, is a different player for sure. Like, there are certainly expectations with Altidore, but Veroni was a player that they paid a hefty transfer fee to bring him in. They're paying him a hefty salary as well. And at this point, his value is just diminishing on the bench. So he needs to get minutes in order to play. And I was t- uh, saying it in the press box yesterday you should at least start at him in that game. You know, have him play 45 minutes, and if it's not working at halftime, pull him out for Bobby Wood, pull him off for Bo- uh, Josie Altidore. But they're just not giving Veroni that opportunity, so I can't get out of my head. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I-, I just can't get out of my head, Sean. It's uh, it's puzzling, I think, the fact that he can't get minutes even off the bench right now. Um, it's just a little bit bizarre to me. Uh, and it has to think that there's something else going on here. Yeah, and, and we heard from Bruce recently to talk about how it's harder to bring players to New England and Foxborough than it is to L.A. And, you know, with that in mind, you absolutely have to hit a home run with your designated players if that's true. And I think it is true. Um, and so to have Giacomo Vrioni taking up a DP spot and not contributing, uh, you shouldn't get that out of your head. It's a it's a big problem for the Revolution. And when the Revolution are winning, uh, you can paper over that and kind of forget about it. Um, but when the Revolution get a tie against New York City FC, who's a good team, uh, and you could argue we're outplayed in this game. Expected goals, I think New York City FC, according to um, MLS season passes, totals had like 1.17 and the Revs had 0.57. So really you could argue, despite that kind of controversial non-goal, that New York City FC outplayed the Revs in this game um, at, at Gillette Stadium on the Revs' home turf. You know, when stuff like that happens, there is going to be a focus on the fact that you have this designated player. The Revolution were tied in this game late. He can't even see the pitch. Um, so, yeah, it's absolutely something that you shouldn't get out of your head, and it's a problem. And, you know, you talk about Bobby Wood and Josie Altidore. Bobby Wood was okay. Uh, he got the assist on Carly's heels goal, although it wasn't I, – I don't I don't give him too much credit for that. He It was, you know, no, no buck did the hard work to win the ball, and Bobby Wood just you know, one-timed it to, to – Carlos Hill, Bobby Wood had no pressure on him whatsoever. It was a pretty easy play. Good for him for doing it. But if you just look at the score sheet, you see, oh, he got an assist. He had a great game. I don't think he had a great game. I thought he had an okay game. Um, and that's kind of what you expect from him, which, again, I think is, is maybe more than I expected from him at the start of the season. Uh, he's been good. But 
you know, like I said from the beginning, the Revolution are not going to win a championship with Bobby Wood as their starting striker. So uh, you need to find out what Giacomo Vrioni can do. You need to find out if he truly is a bust uh, so you can move on and, and figure out what to do because I, I, they're not winning a championship with Bobby Wood and Josie Altidore as their striker. So I, I don't think you can get this out of your head, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, to Bruce's credit, like I look at that moment in that sub yesterday and you're up one nothing at home. Maybe you want more holdup play, so you bring in Altidore versus Veroni in that situation. I kind of get it. Um, but Veroni couldn't even see the field once the Revs ended up conceding the equalizing goal. You would assume late in this game, you need a goal. You bring in Veroni to f- try to find that game winner and that match winner. So I, in that moment, they should have brought him in. They didn't use all their subs. So I don't know. If I would necessarily question too much Altidore coming in over Veroni in that situation based on where they were in the game. But when you have that tie to not bring him in to try to find that game winner, that to me is the more troubling part. Is They didn't even trust him in that moment to go get that winning goal. You know, They brought in Farrell. They kind of parked the bus and said, all right, we're okay with this this point here at home. So that to me is, you know, that's some of Bruce itself, but troubling to say the least. Yeah, and I will get into the subs in a minute because I do want to talk about them. They're, all of them, well, not all of them, but a, f- a few of them are a little bit puzzling to me. Um, but no, it's it's not a good sign that Rioni is apparently fourth on the depth chart. And it's, you know, just go back to this offseason. It sounded like everyone thought Altidore was going to be gone and, and Bruce probably wanted him gone based on some of the comments. It didn't seem like he was coming back. And now to see him ahead of Rioni on the depth chart is, is certainly alarming. Um, I, I do want to jump into my takeaway, which is a different one. And it's that I think this was a reality check for people that were getting kind of over the top on praising the young guys on this team. And I don't want to be negative, too negative about them. Um, but certainly looking at this game, uh, Jack Panioto, I didn't think had a great game. He didn't have much of an impact. I think he was 0 for 6 on duels. Um, he had 22 touches, which is n- not terribly low. Um, he only connected on 10 passes. He only attempted 11, so not not that much involvement. Um, I think he had two crosses, both of which were inaccurate. Uh, he committed one foul. Um, he was dispossessed two times, which is you know second most on the Revs, despite only playing half of the game. Uh, he had two unsuccessful touches, which was tied for the most on the Revs. Uh, I didn't I didn't think he had a great game, and if you look at you know. Ratings. He had the lowest rating on the Revolution, and who scored five point nine four. I think he also had the lowest rating on Foot Mob. Um, he had a couple of flashes, but this was a game where it looked like you know, physicality was able to take him out of it. Um, and we saw from No Buck, I think, an advancement from last year this year, where he was able to handle the physicality more. He, I think, he got stronger. He looks like a bigger player than he was last year. Um, I think Jack also needs to make that leap. I don't know if that happens this season or if it needs an off season to do it, but this this was one of those games where I think was a kind of a reality check that you know yes the Revolution has some very talented kids no they're not superstars yet ready to all get sold to Europe um, and then on the no buck side I thought no buck actually had a, a pretty decent game um, maybe up until the the Revolution scored and up until after the Revolution scored and I do want to give him a lot of credit he he did get the steal that led to Carlos Hill's goal which is kind of the key play there. Um, so, you know, he gets a lot of credit for the Revs goal. Uh, and then 10 minutes later, he gets a lot of credit for New York City's FC's goal when he had a bad turnover that led to the corner kick. And then it looked to me like Magno was his mark on that corner kick and Magno just snuck in behind him, uh, and beat him to the ball and Buck was kind of flat footed. So, you know, I I thought that was, uh, you know, disappointing from Buck, but at the same time, I I thought overall he had a pretty good game, but just again, kind of a reality check that these guys are still kids and they still have growing to do. Um, because there's been so much praise over the past few weeks that I think I think you know fans watching these guys maybe needed that reality check to know that these are still young kids and there's still going to be some growing pains at times. Um, and I, I think if you know Dylan Barrero wasn't away for international duty or Latif Blessing wasn't, that you know Revs maybe start one of them over Panayotu and and that this game maybe goes a bit better for them for the first 45 minutes or it goes a little bit different uh, having them out there with with their abilities um, over some of the young guys. So. I don't know. I don't want to be too negative. There was flashes from Panioto. Buck, I thought, had again, had a good game until until late. Um, and I think maybe Bruce left left him out to dry a bit because it did look like he might have been tiring late in this one. Yeah, you know, I think everyone that's listened to this podcast has heard me multiple times this season say, pump the brakes on old Buck. Just take a deep breath. He's going to have us ups and downs. And I think this match was kind of the perfect definition of a young player. You know, 
for large stretches of this match, Noel looked really good. You know, he fights for the ball, stayed on the ball, made some really clever passes, got to that tough situations, was a big piece of that goal that was scored by Carlos Hill. And then there were times late in this match where, you know, he was struggling. He was struggling defensively. And I think he was gassed. I think you're right. Um, I think he should have came off the field earlier rather than later. Um, but I think that's kind of Bruce Arena's calling card is being a little late to the sub. Uh, I don't know if he necessarily left him out the dry, but definitely towards the end of that match, Noel Buck was a little bit gassed um, and probably should have been pulled off the field. That being said, you still have to hold your own defensively. You can't be a liability. Uh, that's just going to be the growing pain of a young player, though. Yeah, and and that has another point, though. As I, I guess moving on from my takeaway and kind of moving to the lineup, uh, I harped a lot this offseason on the Revs' need to get a backup defensive midfielder for Matt Polster. Matt Polster was out this game with an illness. Uh, I don't think we know what it is. Um, and Christian McCoon got the start. I wasn't particularly impressed with him as a defensive midfielder. I always had questions about him as a defensive midfielder. I've had questions about him as a center back as well and as an outside back. Um, he did have 96.3% passing accuracy. Um, he only completed 27 passes, though. He wasn't wasn't that involved. 43 touches uh, by the end of this game, which is a decent amount. Um, but I, he didn't have the involvement, I think, that Matt Polster had either on the defensive side where you know, he st- kind of would step back and be a center back and cover for guys when they went forward, or on the offensive side where I think Polster kind of gets forward and, and is able to play some passes to, to spring the offense. What did you think of his performance, and are you concerned if Matt Polster was to be out longer term, and it doesn't sound like this is going to keep him out, but hypothetically if there's something else that kept Matt Polster out longer term, are you concerned that McCoon is the kind of the only option at defensive midfield in this one? Yeah, you know, obviously they're missing other players as well. Uh, like Lathief Blessing could help him out. Uh, Tommy McNamara could help him out. I thought Andrew Farrell was a better option than Christian McCoon in this game. Um, I know in the later stages of the match, before they gave up the equalizer, I was saying you got to get McCoon off the field. You got to put Andrew Farrell in the game. They ended up doing it, but a little bit too late. Uh, I think McCoon, I've questioned what his position is since he came to New England. I've never been overly impressed with him. There's been times where he hasn't been a liability and I was impressed with it. And then I remembered, well, his job's not to be a liability. That's kind of the bare minimum is not to be a liability. So I don't think there's anything that Christian McCoon does that is impressive. Um, I don't really know his place on the soccer field. Uh, I don't think he knows his place on the soccer field. I think Bruce deploying him in defensive midfield is kind of because they needed to deploy him in that position. Um, I think the Revs are incredibly weak in the defensive midfield. I think last night showed it. Just like they're weak at outside back if Dewan Jones or Brandon Bay were to go down. Uh, these are two positions that we've known coming into the season that were going to be an issue for the revolution, and it's already kind of playing out here in the defensive midfield, unfortunately. Yeah, and just going back to a stat line, t- dispossessed three times. I thought he was muscled up the ball a couple times. Six foot one guy, don't expect that as much. Had uh, zero aerial duels, one. Um, just, you know, it, it, it wasn't a terrible performance, although I, we should note, I think we'd be talking a lot more about McCoon after this game, uh, if not for Petrovic, because it was his mark, I believe, on that Thiago Martins shot that just as easily could have been a goal as the as the Magno goal. Uh, Petrovic saves the Magno goal, and unless the Martins won in, then we might be talking about McCoon and not Buck's mistake. So um, not a great performance overall, I thought, from him. Not, you know, not too many glaring errors, but... There were a couple times where, again, I thought he was out-muscled off the ball, which is not great for your DM. And uh, I don't know, not not overly impressed. And I, I agree if, if Matt Polster is out for a significant period. Um, you know, I, I don't trust Latif Blessing as a defensive midfielder. I think he's more of a two-way player. McNamara and a pinch can do it, but none of those guys are, are long-term options back there. Uh, and a lot is asked of Matt Polster, as we always say. So it's not, you know, it's not unreasonable that he might need a rest at some point or might be out injured. Um, given how much the Revs rely on him. And I think that's an area to to address. The other thing, though, I, I do want to you know mention is you know, McCoon started this game after a 14-hour midweek flight, eight-hour time change. He was representing Venezuela and start in Saudi Arabia. Were you surprised to see him start, given kind of the hesitancy to, to play Barrero a lot of minutes, though, since Barrero had the, you know, the flight from Japan? Obviously, Japan's a little bit further, but uh, still a lot for uh, McCoon to go through this week. Yeah, definitely is a lot, and I feel like it's a similar thing to what we just mentioned. Like they just don't have the depth of that position. Like, so if you were going to go with Christian McCoon, who would you have gone with? Would it have been Andrew Farrell? And that, that would have been a kind of a tough spot to put him in. Um, you really looked at who they had available in this match and there wasn't really a great fit 
to play over McCoon. So I think it was kind of just out of necessity they played him. And I was kind of surprised as well to see Dylan Barrero come in um, at half. Clearly he wanted to play, and Jack P wasn't as effective as they'd wanted. Um, but both those players playing last night, I think credit to them for being available for their team. Yeah, and you mentioned nobody else being available to kind of play that role. When we did see him come off, it was for Emmanuel Boateng. Uh, let's let's talk about the subs here. We we saw him come off. It was for Emmanuel Boateng in the 85th minute. Um, that sub kind of surprised me. We talked about Buck potentially being tired. You're asking now Buck to play uh, more of a defensive role and kind of holding that midfield together um, when when you take McCoon off for for Boateng. And, and you know, I think the Revolution were kind of stretched at that point, and it could have just as easily been a winner for New York City FC. And then they go the opposite direction and bring Farrell on six minutes later when it seems like they're trying to buckle down uh, and play more defensive. So I, we're kind of getting mixed messages when Boateng comes on, like you're playing for the win, and then six minutes later, okay, Farrell's now coming on for Buck, like you're you're trying to kind of settle things down. Were you surprised by those substitutions? I mean, I, I, I honestly think if you're playing for the draw, you don't put Boateng on. And if you're playing for the win, then you probably don't put Farrell on in that situation. So it's you know, a six, was it a six minute window where Bruce wanted to go all out for the win? Yeah. It's Bruce is always a little late to the subs. I, I think if you were to look at that bench after you concede in the 80th minute, you would say, okay, who am I going to put in here? You have Emma Boateng and you have Giacomo Ferroni. Everyone else doesn't feel like the right fit unless you're going to go defensive and you could bring in Andrew Farrell, which you know, if they, after that 80th minute goal, if they brought in Andrew Farrell, they'd be like, okay, they're just trying to get out the point. But you're right. It was kind of mixed messages from Bruce Arena. If you're saying in the 86th minute, I need to bring out McCoon, the only realistic option really is Boateng, unless you're going to put Eshmere in that position or maybe play Renix out of position. Um, I guess you could have brought in Andrew Farrell in the defensive midfield. It, there's just a lack of options on that bench, though. And if you're not going to put Veroni on, it really is concerned. Like, if you look at it, you had a lack of options on your bench. You need to make an offensive sub in 86 minutes. So you went with Emma Boateng over Giacomo Veroni. It just, it all comes back to that, Sean. You have a DP on the bench. You cannot see the field. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's just, a lot we're of... going to go circles on this. Like, we'll <laughs> keep on going around. I, I think so. Get out of my head. <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, a lot of questionable decisions made in this game, I think, from 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 the the substitutions from Bruce Arena. Uh, we do have a ton of listener questions, so let's let's jump to those. Before we do, I want to quickly mention, take a minute to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Glocko Kits. Glocko Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. The passion for the beautiful games doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. And if you head to GlockoKits.com today, you can get 15% off your order using the code REVSRECAP. That's REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order at GlockoKits.com. Um, lots of questions today. Uh, first one, Steve McGrogan. We talked a bit about McCoon. He wants to know, did the back line not trust McCoon? He left a lot of open space, wasn't utilized like it seems he could be, left a lot of space between the lines, and was a good reason we weren't as much of a threat today. Yeah, I don't I don't think McCoon's a good player. So I, I think like that's just the reality of it. I don't know what position he plays. I don't think it's defensive midfield. I definitely don't think it's center back. Maybe you try him at outside back. Uh, I thought the backline as a whole was fine. There were some, certainly some sketchy moments, especially in the final 20 minutes of that match when NYCFC was stepping up the pressure against the Revolution. But then again, if you look at the substitutions made by NYCFC, like they made them early, right? Um, they were able to get their players in early, and uh, you know, by far the final 25 minutes of the match, they overmatched the uh, the Revolution, who had a tired backline at that point, and no one really to turn to on the bench to help them out. Yeah, to, to me, McCoon's kind of a break glass in case of emergency guy at defensive midfielder, center back, and left back. And the fact that he's kind of number two on the depth chart right now, at least with injuries uh, behind Polster, is not not ideal at defensive midfield. Um, and I, I agree with Steve's comment. I don't think he was utilized as kind of a passing outlet the way Polster can be because the, the team does trust Polster more and, and kind of understandably so. Uh, you know, that's not to say McCoon can't continue to grow in the position and, and do a better job, but... Um, you know, we've already hit home. I think that's an area that they need to improve upon. Uh, Rioni, you talked a lot about him. We got a bunch of questions on him. I'm going to read through these and see if there's anything else to add beyond, based on what we've already said. Uh, also, Alfred on Twitter said, really need three designated players going. I think we both agree with that. Uh, CMAG on Twitter says, please try and make some sense from Rioni's lack of minute. The early season explanation for Bruce, Bruce was the usual. New to MLS needs time. Uh, hard to acclimate. 
hard to acclimate when you aren't playing. We need goals and our DP striker isn't getting minutes. I think that kind of goes to your takeaway that you, you agree with all that. It is very hard to uh, acclimate when you're only playing you know, two minutes in a game and you know, 15 minutes over the last several games. Average is not not great. Um, Matt Clayman on Twitter says, so Altador has come on the last two games as the first choice striker. Uh, off the bench, which is obviously an indictment on Veroni at this point. But when do the Revs just need to put their DSP striker out in and just see what he can do when the Revs need a goal late in some of these games? Uh, and Corey Cloutier on Discord says, Veroni not making the field still. What gives? Um, I don't know. Is there any, anything to add that we haven't already said on, on Veroni? Yeah, I think, you know, Bruce even, like, trying to play it off as you need time to adjust into Major League Soccer. At this point, is Veroni's second season. He had a full off season here. So I don't think that really flies at this point. The fact that they couldn't figure it out in the offseason is just kind of troubling to me. Um, I just Every week that goes by, I think less and less of Veroni's ability to acclimate here. Um, I don't know if he's a fit. I don't. Maybe he doesn't fit the way they want to play. Maybe he doesn't fit in with Bo and Heal and what they want to do. But at some point, you kind of have to just make a decision to cut your losses. But I don't know how you get him off this roster. Like, do you buy out a DP? Like, they, they can buy him out if they want, but... The financial implication of that is pretty hefty. So, you know, they have to play him. At the end of the day, you have to start for only. You got to give them minutes. I mean, you got to really see if you can play out of it. And if you can't, you do have to make that tough decision of, okay, can we move on? Because the window here in New England is short. We know that. Is it this year or is it next year? It closes. We don't know that specifically. But we do know they have to maximize this window. And you cannot have a DP who can't break your starting 11. In fact, you can't have a DP that can't even be an option off your bench. Which is that's kind of what Veroni is right now. The last two matches, he hasn't even been an option off the bench for them, a, a real option off the bench, because I don't think playing two minutes in junk time is an option. So they got to figure it out. They got to figure it out quick. And the way to do that is you play him. Maybe you play him for Revs too. I don't know. But you got to get him minutes. You got to see if you can break out of this. Well, if if you're not playing him for the first team, I, you should be playing him for Revs too. I think he needs to he needs to find the back of the net and build some confidence. And you know he needs to be getting minutes, whether it's with the first team or the second team. I, I think he needs to be playing for the first team. But again, if you're not going to, he should be playing for Revs too. Just sitting on the bench is not helping anybody. Though the, you know the one thing I will say is, like you said last year, um, or like, he's had a full preseason, so it's the time excuse is becoming less and less last year. You give him an excuse. Joining the team mid season is never easy. He had injuries. Um, you can kind of write off last season, this season to see him drop further down the depth chart. That that's really concerning. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier, if, if Bobby Wood is your starting striker, Josie Altador is your starting striker at this point in their careers, the Rebs are going to be in for uh, going to have a hard time making any sort of run into the playoffs. So they need to see what Rioni can do. And the only excuse I'll give Rioni is Gustavo Bo missed all of preseason. Uh, I think if Rioni played up top with Gustavo Bo, maybe that could work. That there hasn't necessarily been enough time to build because even last season we saw you know Bo kind of playing off on the wing late in the year, and I don't know that the two of them have had a great chance to build chemistry yet. And I think when we have seen Rioni out there with Bo, they don't seem to be on the same page. So I would like to see them get a run out, and I think we need to see it to see if you know if if that can work. Um, and that brings me to, to Derek Terrell's question, which is, what did you think of Bo's performance in this game? And should he be starting up top with Rioni? You know, I think Bo has done fine this season. I think he's played well. Um, I thought in that game specifically, he maybe hurt them at times more than he should have. Uh, but, you know, he looked good. I think him and Carlos looked really good, especially early in that match. You could tell they were both kind of feeling it, specifically Bo. Um, definitely had that confidence. His touch has been very good. Uh, for the most part this season. Uh, him and Veroni would be interesting. Uh, the time we have seen them together, it doesn't look like it work. Maybe Bruce has made a decision <laughs> and said it doesn't work. Maybe he's already kind of made that calculation. It's not going to give it another run out. But the time we have seen them play together, it just hasn't feel like a fit. I know we've talked about on this podcast, where is Bo's fit on this team? Um, you know, What position is his best? What are the revolution at their best and where does Bo play in that? And I still don't know if we know the answer to that, but I think the fact that Bo can score consistently out of multiple positions, he can be a playmaker on the ball. He's very lethal in the box. He's just too valuable of a player at this point to even maybe introduce Ferroni into the mix. Like that's another thing you have to think about. If they don't work well together and Bobby Wood really is that other option, and it gets the best out of Bo, maybe gets the best out of Heald, and maybe that's as simple as why we're seeing what we're seeing. Um, but I, I thought Bo was fine in this match. 
I thought he's had a great season so far. And I've kind of been impressed given he didn't really have a preseason. I thought there was going to be a little bit more of a struggle to get him into it. And I've kind of been impressed with him overall. Yeah, I agree. I think there was that one chance where he got behind the defense and got they caught up to him. And he still did a good job of, of kind of creating a chance and, and getting a shot out. That maybe, But maybe he should have done a little bit better there. Um, but no, overall, I thought he was, he was pretty good in this game. Again, minus, minus my complaints about him being offside. Um, and, but I do think that Rioni and Bo need to play up top together and, and see if they can build. I don't think there's been enough time to, to prove that they can't work together. Um, and that's one area where I'm willing to you know, give Veroni a temporary pass and, and see what the two of them can do up top. And, you know, the Revs offense right now is so reliant on Carlos Heel and Gustavo Bo being healthy to, to I think be successful that if the two of them or if either of them gets hurt they're in a lot of trouble and that's you know yet another reason why they need Rioni to get minutes and come good um, so they have somebody else that can put the ball in the back of the net uh, at a high rate you know should one of them get hurt because if, if you know you end up with Bobby Wood and Josie Altador as your starting strikers because Gustavo Bo gets hurt I, I, I don't think that the Revs are going to have a good time no I think Bruce might retire mid-season if that happens <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Paulo S says New York City deserve deserve the point, but at the moment for me there was the missed chance on the bow breakaway. We go two up there and it's over. Um, I, I I agree. If the Rebels had gone a two up there, it was over. At the same time, um, I you know could could Bo have done better or should Bo have done better on that breakaway? What do you think? Yeah, I think if he kept on running, maybe he would have done a little bit better instead of cutting back the way he did. But uh, you know things like that happen, right? Like you're not going to get it right all the time. Um, I'm not convinced he scores either way there. Yeah, it's, again, he's not the fastest player on the planet. Exactly. He, especially yeah. at this point in his career. So, you know, you live with that. Um, him him getting behind the defense and getting on a breakaway is has never, at least in the past couple of seasons, it's never been a guaranteed goal because defenders are able to catch up to him. And that's that's just the reality, unfortunately. That's not um, a strong suit, right? Like no, that's, it's, it's not. Know. It's not, which is, again, why, yeah. why I don't understand why he kind of skirts the outside line so much because it does. I mean, there are occasions where it works and he manages to get in behind, but more often than not, defenders are able to catch up to him. It feels like if Aroni plays alongside him, that's his role, though, is to get behind and that could be how they kind of counteract each other and play off each other, but we just haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Uh, Titletown Trent Discord wants to know, is this the same ref we had for either of the New York City FC games last year? How do we keep getting hosed with bad calls against this team in particular? Uh, and I, I checked it. It's not the same ref as either the New York City FC games last year, but is, is there anything to the refs getting some difficult calls against New York City FC? It was the right call. Like, I mean, obviously, you want it to to go your way as a fan, if you're a fan of the team. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to look at it kind of objectively. If this was the opposite way, you'd be excited, right? Like, it's just the way it is in sports. I mean, I don't like the rule personally, but it was the right call. Randy LH on Twitter says, a win that we turned into a draw, that feels like a loss. Uh, is there anything positive at all to take from this match other than that the Revs did not completely collapse? Yeah, they got a point. You know, this could have easily turned out to be the RSL game last year at home where you had the lead and you ended up losing the game. So at least you came up with the point. Um, that's a positive sign. There's some resiliency in that. You can take solace in the fact that you were able to come away with that point. And New York City FC, I thought, really stepped up the pressure. They could have easily probably found the game-winning goal. So you got a point. Yeah, I think that's a positive. I think seeing Andrew Farrell get some minutes and, and look pretty good off the bench, make some, some good interceptions was a positive. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's something to grow from. I think it was a reality check for the Revs in some ways. Again, they you know, finally got, I think their set piece defending hasn't been good this year and has been a liability and maybe, maybe giving up a goal is going to be a reality check. Um, and Petrovic added some, some, uh, highlights to his reel that will help him at the end of the year when it's time for goalkeeper of the year voting. So I guess that's a positive. Um, but yeah, you know, again, they, they getting, getting a tie in a game where they you know could have lost is, I guess in some ways you can look at that as a positive. Um, I should have included this with, um, our earlier commentary on the bow or, or sorry, on the Barrero goal. Um, wow, 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 walk, walk on Twitter said the VAR angle for the Barrero goal is more like a, let's find an angle to make Bo look like he is blocking the keeper angle from the live stream. It was no blocking at all. Um, I, I, I think that when I, from what I saw, I thought it looked like he, there was, you know, you could make the case that Bo was blocking the line of sight, right? Yeah, where Barrero was, where the ball was coming from, where the goalkeeper was, and where Bo was, 
you could easily make the case it's blocking and it was blocking in my opinion and i think from the ref's perspective it's it's not a, is he blocking it's is he might be blocking right like if there's even a perception of him blocking it's the right call you know um so i like it, it was the right call Bo was in a bad situation. He put the team in that situation. If you want to blame anyone, blame Gustavo Bo for being offsides for no reason. Uh, Jose Franchino Dino on Twitter had a couple of comments. First, he said, I thought Bruce really botched this one. Everyone's eager to complain about Rioni, but no one wants to say how Wood has leveled off. I'm really not sure how you objectively say you're getting more from Wood or Josie lately. Yeah, they've both been fine, I think. I think Altidore and Wood haven't necessarily contributed to the level of a starting striker. I don't think they've been bad necessarily either, but they haven't been great. Uh, certainly, if you're wanting to compete for MLS Cup or even for a playoff spot, you're going to need more production out of that position. It has to be Giacomo Veroni, but whatever reason, Bruce isn't giving Veroni that opportunity. So for now, you're going to have Josie Altador and Bobby Wood being serviceable, but don't expect anything special out of either player. Yeah, and I, and I would say that maybe you're getting better hold-up play from them. Um, I thought the hold-up play from from Josie off the bench was was decent um, and a couple of opportunities. With that said, you know, the, when I do have some positive things to see from Rioni, I, I thought that he did an okay job in some of the substitute appearance with hold-up play, winning fouls similar to what Josie did. So I, I you know, until Rioni proves otherwise, it's hard to say he's going to offer more than Wooden Josie. But at the same time, I don't think... Wood and Josie are offering, like like you said, you know, starting caliber MLS striker play. They've they've been serviceable and, and good enough, but um, I think it's more of an indictment on, on what Rioni hasn't been than how good they're playing at this point. Uh, he also says Buck was gassed the last twenty minutes. The whole stadium could see the midfield started to get overrun after the Carle goal. Uh, thought we really needed fresh legs, especially leading up to the equalizer. That's on Bruce. Um, I think we we talked about this earlier and both kind of agree, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think you could look at him, him. You could look at McCoon as well. They're both clearly gassed. They both clearly need to get off the field in that situation. But Bruce has always just been a kind of a little bit late. And like we talked about earlier, if you look at the bench and who was available, um, more importantly, who was not available, there just really wasn't a ton of options there for Bruce to even make. And this is one of those situations where Bruce, the sporting director, hurts Bruce, the coach. So it, it's tough to really look at the bench and say, okay, you should have made this sub over that sub in that situation, because really, you look at the bench, and you're like, Andrew Farrell is the best option here, which kind of tells you the lack of options you have. Yeah, there, there's just two areas on the bench that really strike me as troubling, and that DM being one and fullback being the other. We The Revs have been lucky that Brandon By and DeWan Jones have been available for you know, play pretty much every minute at this point, um, but if either of those guys gets hurt, you, know, you're, you're, you don't have many options. Andrew Farrell hasn't played right back in a very long time, and I think the the later he gets into the career, the less appealing that option is. Um, and you know, Ryan Spaulding hasn't been making the bench this season. I, I think at some point he was injured, but you know, they, they don't have options there either. So um, that's another area that if somebody gets hurt, the Revs are in trouble, and that was something that was obvious in the offseason that wasn't addressed. You want to know what's funny, though, Sean? What? The best the best option at outside back off the bench and the best option at defensive midfield off the bench was the same player last night. Right. And and you could say that earlier in the season when it was McCoon that was on the bench and Farrell wasn't. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's not unheard of that you have two guys get hurt in a game or two guys get hurt in a week and end up needing to play them. And it's not I don't know. None, none of that's ideal to me. <laughs> Uh, Emily has a somewhat similar comment. She said, no connections in midfield. Playing long was not working all game. Uh, the Revs went backwards or across the back line. Buck did well for 70 minutes. Coach sta- coaching staff should have seen they needed that he needed a sub, which cost the Revs the game. Uh, also, we need players back from injury because Jack and McCoon were not the answer. Yeah, they, they definitely need like some of these players to be back. Nacho Hill, Latif Blessing. I mean, we haven't really seen this team at its best, which I think is kind of impressive, the fact that they are 4-1-1. One, and one one of the top teams in the East, they haven't been fully healthy for any of these games. And obviously through the course of the season, you're going to have players that are missing. But like, what is Latif Blessing's role? What is Nacho Hill's role on this team? Um, and Giacomo Ferroni as well, obviously. Like When he ends up being in the starting lineup, because I have to think he's going to be at some point. Like, What is the best version of this team? We don't know that answer yet. Hopefully we know it in the near future. But they do need to get healthy specifically in that midfield. Yeah, absolutely. The lack of options there, um, particularly attacking options. Well, actually, no, really, options on both sides of the ball um, have been have been problematic so far. I think the Revolution have an easier game next weekend on paper against Montreal. 
Um, Montreal, I think, lost 5 nothing last night to Vancouver. If, if you're Bruce Arena, is that the game that you try to give Rioni a run out for at least 45 minutes, You know, expecting that that's a game that you should be able to, to be on top of and maybe have more possession than you get against New York City FC and maybe more control of the game? Absolutely. I think that's where you have to give him his opportunity, at least 45 minutes. But at this point, you're going to have to look at his stamina and say, well, he hasn't played, I think he played 60 or so minutes in the first match of the year. And since then, it's been in the 20s and then, you know, two the last game and then zero this last game. So he's not going to get a long run out whenever he gets this opportunity. But you have to start him in a game. You have to give him that opportunity to at least attempt to show that he's capable because right now he's not even getting a look. And and look, the Revs two plays today. Um, they do as we're, as we're recording. If if at Gillette Stadium, this would be an easy opportunity to get him at least some some minutes and some fitness. I mean, I I don't expect him to play in this game, but to me, it would make a lot of sense to play him in this game. Yeah, it would. It'd be shocking though to see a, a DP who can't even get on the field healthy, right? Like he's a health he's a healthy player. He's been available for these matches. He can't even get a minute in Major League Soccer last night in a game where you're 1-1 at home late. He's going to play for Revs, too. That would be stunning. But then again, it's been stunning the last couple weeks just to see this whole thing play out. But to the point about fitness, if you want to have his fitness built up and have him be available for more than 45 minutes, that's that's one way to do it. And that's that's why that's that's one of the reasons why that team is there in my view is to you know not only give young guys an opportunity to build up minutes but give veterans an opportunity to build confidence and build fitness too so uh, to me it would make sense um but i don't know <laughs> a couple of comments that kind of relate to my takeaway first one being brian flaherty on twitter said is this one of the biggest changes in fortune in one week from i'm ready to go to europe to costing your team the game uh i, I assume that's obviously about buck I think that might be a little bit of a of a harsh comment and kind of ignores the fact that he had a pretty good game up until the 80th minute. Um, any, any thoughts on that comment? Yeah, I think it's a little bit harsh for an old buck. <laughs> I think if you looked at him and graded him out for the entire game, you probably would have gave him a passing grade. Obviously, you're going to sort of circle those moments late in the game where you did concede the goal for your team. But I put that more in Bruce Arena um, as well as the players around Buck. Too. The fact that he was put in that situation, um, you know, maybe Matt Polster would have covered for that or something like that. So I don't think necessarily the defensive side of the game was great yesterday. Um, but I don't know how much I'll put on Noel Buck. And I think I'll just kind of say what I have said this entire season on Noel Buck. Pump the brakes. He's going to have a bad game. He had a bad moment. Guess what? He's going to have good moments and bad moments going forward. He's a very young player. Um, you know, he can only learn from this. Yeah, agreed. And if you take away his contributions in this game, it's, you know, in a vacuum and ignore what whoever would play over him would have done. Uh, it's zero zero instead of one one. So um, I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, I, I think he I think this is too harsh of a comment. Um, but at the same time, like I said, pump the brakes. These guys are young and Buck is looking really good, but still has growing to do. Uh, Tim on Twitter says, I like Jack P. He looked like a freshman playing his first game with varsity skill is there, but he is physically overmatched. I hope he gets extended minutes this season to work on his defense and physicality because he could develop into a valuable MLS player. Um, I'm, I think I mostly agree with that comment. Uh, the skill is there, but he did look physically overmatched in this game. Um, kind of going back to my earlier takeaway. Um, you know, I, I think the rev at this point when everyone's healthy, I don't think Jack P is a starter, but I do hope that he finds ways to get minutes off the bench and open cup, um, filling in rotationally, but I don't think he's quite there yet to be an everyday starter. Uh, I'll, I'll anything to add there, Tanner. Yeah. You know, watching revs too the last couple well, last season, uh, Jack P to me was the most talented player to come out of the academy, uh, more so than Noel Buck, uh, more so than Eshmere. Like uh, to me, Jack P has the highest upside. Um, but I think there's a difference between Revs two academy play, even you know Big E soccer with Georgetown than Major League Soccer. I think there's just an up in physicality. Um, so there's going to be an adjustment period for Jack P. I think with Noel Buck, we kind of saw that too last year. He kind of struggled a little bit, uh, both with the first team and the second team in this offseason, you can really see that Noel kind of elevated his game, elevated, you know, the physicality and is not easily pushed off the ball. So I would expect Jack P to need that kind of adjustment period as well. Uh, but, but I do think long-term Jack P is, you know, a, a really talented, great young player. Um, you can kind of see the team really went after him to get him back at a Georgetown to come back and, you know, sign a contract with the first team. So I, I think it's going to take time for a player like him to develop, but, 
I think the sky's the limit, honestly. Like I said, I think he's the most talented player I've seen come out of the academy, especially offensively. Um, you just have to adjust to Major League Soccer, and it's not easy for a young player to do so. So I expect it to take some time for him. Yeah, and these are, you know, the injuries are unfortunate for the Revolution, but because of them, these young guys are getting valuable minutes early on in the season. Um, they're getting a chance to experience what the first team, what first team play is like. Uh, I think all of that is good for them. It's an opportunity for them to learn where they need to grow. Um, and I do think he's going to be a very good player for the Revolution uh, eventually. And I think he's got a lot to offer now. Um, and again, maybe in a, in a different game when the Revolution are more in control, less physicality. Um, you know, his play, his attacking prowess shines more, and there's less focus on maybe the the you know lack of the lack of um, of him being physically overmatched on the defensive side. Uh, Dave Cavallero on Twitter wants to know: Do you think the consistent inclusion of Barrero, Heel, and Gustavo Bo in the lineup is enough to guarantee the Revs a top seven finish? Yes. Yeah, I think this team is, with that would definitely be top seven finish. I think the fact that they are where they where they are now is kind of a testament to how good they potentially could be fully healthy. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think if those three guys stay healthy, the Revolution uh, should certainly finish in the top seven. That's a big if, though, right? I mean, yeah. Gustavo Bo, thirty three, Carles Heel. We you know, you know he's been relatively healthy recently, but has had injury histories in the past. Uh, Barrero is also even at his young age had had injury issues. So um, you tell me those guys are available for, I don't know, 90% of the games this year for the revolution. I would guarantee the revolution, a top seven finish, but uh, I would not <laughs> guarantee they're available for 90% of the games this season. So, um, and again, that's, that's where I get to the point of, you know, if, if one of those guys is out, if two of those guys are out, you need, you can't have your third designated player be you know, rotting away on the bench. He needs to be contributing. Um, especially if any, the, the margin for error, if any of those guys are out is, is so slim um, that to have a, a DP spot kind of at the moment being wasted uh, is, is, a, is a huge problem. Uh, Hussam Kouaf on Twitter says, why do you think we played the last 10 minutes defending instead of pushing forward, sending in defender Farrell, who he says he loves, to go in at the end of the game instead of offense like Frioni was an interesting choice? Yeah, I think I don't blame Bruce for going after a point. I know you're you're at home. You had some good stretches of the match, but... I don't think Veroni's a sure bet at this point. Obviously, I would have liked to see him go out there and try to get that goal, give him the opportunity. But the fact is, it's a long season. You're going to drop points at home. You're going to have draws at home. The one thing you don't want to have is losses at home. So I don't blame Bruce for just kind of seeing out that result, getting that guaranteed point and walking away. Because um, if you had dropped that match and dropped all three points, it would have been devastating. So over the course of the season, you're going to have these kind of matches. Uh, just part of the whole thing of Major League Soccer. It's a long season. Yeah, to me, I think the Farrell move was a reaction to what should have been obvious with the Boateng move, that when you're putting Boateng on from a Kuhn and you don't really have much of a defensive midfield presence, you know, you're kind of struggled defensively. And I think Bruce saw that pretty quickly, and that's why Farrell came on to try to shore up the defense. Um, I, I like seeing Boateng going into games like this where the Revolution are tied. I think he's a great option. I've always said that I think he's a great option when the Revs need a goal to try to spark something. Um, but... It, it was a weird move to bring him on from a coon. And, you know, if you do think Buck was gassed, you're now asking Buck to do so much more defensively when McCoon is off that it makes you know the situation even more difficult for him. So to me, I think the Farrell move was kind of a reaction to what Bruce was seeing and what he was seeing, I think was predictable, um, which goes back to all of just not loving the subs in this one. Uh, Lexi also on Twitter commented on Farrell. She said, finally, you got to see Farrell back on the pitch and he made some great saves tonight and more of a rotating defensive midfielder center back position with Kessler, uh, in her opinion. Do you think we'll be seeing more of this as the season goes on? I think it's interesting. I think we talked about this on our prediction episode was, you know, where is Farrell's position? Um, like, is it, is it Romney? Is it Kessler? Is it Farrell? Do they go three at the back? There's just that question now. It's kind of important because Farrell's actually available for these matches. You know, he had some pretty key plays last night. Uh, I think he probably stopped one goal from going in. He had a really key intervention late uh, in front of his goal. So, you know, Andrew Farrell's a great player. Um, I don't know if his role is kind of a hybrid. <laughs> Honestly, I, it's tough to see what they're going to end up doing here because I, I think Romney and Kessler haven't They've been good for the most part. I don't think they've played their way out of the lineup. Um, but Farrell obviously is a, is a player that gains a lot of respect uh, of his teammates and obviously of his coaching staff, and he's been an Ironman for this team, so it's hard to envision him being off the bench as well. So I'm I'm super curious what they're going to do long term here. 
Yeah, me too. Uh, it, it is good to have him as an option on the bench. Again, I like to see, I, I feel more comf- comfortable seeing him coming in off the bench than Omar when you're trying to close out a game, even though Omar has been, you know, good or fine, at least fine this year. Um, and we talked about it before. If, if Farrell goes in the starting lineup, I'm more comfortable seeing Kessler or Romney coming off the bench uh, to kind of close out a game instead of Omar. Um, but like you said, Farrell has been such a key part of this team. He's been such a leader on this team over the years. Um, it is hard to see him. It is hard to, to, to kind of hard to picture him being you know solely a bench player for this Revolution team. Um, you know, I, I, I don't mind again if he's going to play kind of a rotating defensive mid center back position in some games late. Um, but that doesn't to me that still doesn't solve the the Revs' lack of depth at center defensive midfield. I don't think that's necessarily that easy of a transition for him to make into that role, um, especially as a guy that you know passing out of kind of the midfield. I don't see as his his strong suit. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but I, I like you, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. You know, I, knock on wood, Kessler and Romney are healthy all season, but, you know, realistically one of them gets hurt. Farrell steps up. Does he take, take the control and take the reins and, and earn a starting spot in the defense again? That wouldn't surprise me either, despite the fact that, you know, Kessler and Romney have, have done, uh, well so far. Uh, Tanner, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I think we covered a lot, but I don't know if there's anything, anything we might've missed. Yeah, I think. Overall, it's just a testament of how long this season is in Major League Soccer. You know, we're sitting here on April 2nd, and we're talking about Baroni can't even get in the lineup, and I would not be shocked in four months' time. We're talking about how Giacomo Baroni is the best forward in team history, right? Like, the ups and downs of the season are going to be legitimate. Um, I, I think we're in for a great season, though. The fact that the Revolution have played as well as they have without, you know, having their best 11. I think it's been impressive. I think this team does remind me of 2021 in that instance. I'm not saying they're going to go out and win the Supporters' Shield and set all these records, but um, I think what we've seen so far from this team is is interesting. I think it's there's a lot of optimism going into the summer here, So, uh, but there's going to be ups and downs, and they're going to lose games, and that's just going to be the way things happen. So I think for people, just be tempered. I know fans like to overreact to everything but just have tempered expectations. And when you talk about this being early in the season, that brings up one question I have. Do, do we know what the Revs' best formation is yet? Because we're, we're you know, what, six games in now, and I, I don't I just think we don't, right? No, and we, we won't, I don't think, for... You know, the whole thing is, but you have to figure Veroni's going to be in this lineup at some point. I know we talked a lot about Veroni on this podcast today, but at some point, he's got to be in the lineup. And at that point, then you have to figure out what's your defensive midfield. Is blessing in the lineup as a nacho heel? And then what's that rotation look like? What's that formation look like? And we still haven't, you know, Andrew Farrell as well. So we don't know what their best 11 looks like because we haven't seen the best 11 players on the field at one time yet. Yeah, and it's funny to me because in the offseason we talked about formations and I kind of thought the Revs would try to do a 4-5-1, um, but might do kind of the formation they're doing a 4-4-2, sometimes looks like a diamond, sometimes doesn't, um, in order to play Gustavo Bo and Giacomo Rioni up top. Uh, but now they're doing it in order to play Bobby Wood and Gustavo Bo up top, which is is never something I predicted. So there's a, a lot of uh, some surprises so far this season, and I think it's still a lot of unknowns. Um Tanner, before we wrap things up, where can people find your writing? Where can they follow you on social media? They can follow me at Tanner Rebello on Twitter, although I'm not really tweeting. So you have to make sure you listen to this podcast to get a lot of my thoughts uh, or go to theblazingmusket.com. I have a Revs notebook coming out pretty much every Monday, summarizing all my thoughts from the weekend. Uh, and there's a lot of thoughts for this weekend. So after you listen to this podcast, go to theblazingmusket.com. Check out my latest Revs notebook because I have a lot on there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean L. Donahue. Also, make sure you follow the podcast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Revolution Recap. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I don't know if we have any reviews on uh, Audible yet, so so maybe get some on there. Uh, and be sure to check out our friends at The Blazing Musket, Tanner, and everyone else there does a fantastic job. Uh, thanks again for listening. We'll be back after the Montreal game with another podcast.